So correct me if I'm wrong, but you totally agree with Farmer Vincent's thoughts on population growth and the need for sustainable food sources, right? <laughs> no, meat, um, meat's meat and a man's got to eat. You literally texted me that last night. Were, were you eating people last night? No. Uh, no it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's interesting, right, that we're in a movie where they have a bit of a farming message right we're in a movie where a like serial killer is justifying the killings because we are overpopulated and we need to find sustainable food sources and what's better than uh using the food source that we have all around us i mean he talks about all the good they're doing for the earth and you know i i just thought the whole time watching it i'm like wow this is like gonna be right up noel's alley it's a strong <laughs> environmental message <laughs> Oh, man. Farmer Vincent. Uh, yeah, definitely. And you know what? He wasn't cruel. He took care of the people that he murdered and put into food. Like, he made sure that they were <laughs> if you're not getting chemicals in their body. And yeah. uh, so, I mean, if you're going to be a deranged psycho killer, like, you might as well be doing it with an environmental, like, bent. Yeah, that's the way to do it, right? Yeah. Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. <laughs> I'm Nolan. And today we are discussing Motel Hell, the 80s horror comedy it's a comedy really i realize it's kind of late in the going that this is not a straight horror there's clearly a comedic element to this yeah um it was my first time watching it i, I had no preconception about what to expect the cover of it does have kind of an iconic picture of a person wearing a pig head and holding a chainsaw. So that's one of the iconic images. You're referring to the Shout Factory uh, Collector's Edition Blu-ray. Yeah, I was excited when I saw Shout Factory pop onto the screen uh, before the uh, the opening credits started to go in there. So I knew I was in for a good time. Love the Shout Factory releases. But yeah, so I was, I sort of, I recognized that picture and I wasn't sure what I was getting into. I do enjoy horror. I don't watch enough of it. I was like, immediately it was drawing me into sort of Texas Chainsaw. Is this yeah. kind of what we're getting into? Um, and then with the the title, Motel Hell, I was kind of thinking about things like Hostel, more of a 90s, 2000s. Psycho? Yeah, Psycho was the other one that I, I went to immediately as well, right? So I was wondering what it was going to be about, but... Uh, it surprised me a bit. I wasn't. I I did not expect it to be so farm centric. I guess. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. Is like it's called Motel Hell, but the motel plays a fairly small role. Like most of the horror is derived from this farm slash slaughterhouse. So I don't. Kind of odd, you know. Yeah, I guess, I guess I, there's no there's no hell puns you can make with farms. <laughs> Farmer Hell. I don't know. Uh, I didn't understand actually why it was titled the way it was. That was one of the questions I had for you after, and I bet you have some theories, and I have some ideas too. And maybe it was there. They do sort of open and end very much on the sign. Oh, absolutely. Right? We we will start talking about that in just a second. But first, every week we pair the movie up with a beer choice. I'll be honest, we've had some slam dunks this year. This one is not quite as literal a connection, but I think there's enough here that we can make this work. What are we drinking this week? Yeah, I don't think it's too bad a connection here. We've we've got a beer from Muse Brewing. They're out of Norfolk County, and it's called Extra, but it is a farmhouse pale ale. And the whole thing sort of revolves around what's going on on a farm, and Farmer Vincent is sort of our lead villain. So I think this works perfectly for well, and, that connection and he's making these smoked meat goods jerky sausage whatnot and what is customers don't know is there's a the little extra ingredient you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah that uh homo sapien meat is definitely the added extra into it uh also apparently and this is a really hilarious moment i guess I, i'm not going to spoil it we'll talk about it at the end there's something else that uh, really gets to our farmer vincent in his dying moments 
Well, yes, that's a, that's a, <laughs> I wouldn't call that the big reveal because this movie has a lot of reveals, but it's kind of up there actually in a weird way. So, uh, I'm excited to try this. We took a trip out to Muse together this past summer. It's a cool spot, right? Like it's an actual farm. They've got the field there where they're growing the hops right on the vines. It was kind of cool. Yeah, no, it was a really, really cool farm market. And, uh, the brewery is sort of right behind the farm market. Um, so if you're ever out in Norfolk County and get a chance to visit it, definitely recommend going to the farmhouse and trying some of their beers. So I'm excited to try this one. We had a few of their other ones, um, and there were some enjoyable ones in there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this one too. Yeah, let's crack it open and give it a taste. So after the United Artists logo, we fade in on the Motel Hello, or at least that's what you would call it if this wasn't a horror movie and the O and the Hello wasn't continually flickering out. Instead, it's the Motel Hell. (laughs) We got some fun camera work here and some good neon sign work, right? Making, sort of setting that tone. We have the close-up of that and we sort of zoom out a little bit and we get a a bigger picture of the front of this motel and an older gentleman smoking a pipe on the porch. And we got some effectively creepy music in the background. It seems um, like fully instrumental, symphonic. Definitely. Now that creepy old man you mentioned is the proprietor of this fine establishment, Farmer Vincent. He's played by the one and only Rory Calhoun. And true to form, he immediately begins standing and walking. He specifically walks into the motel where he promptly loads his shotgun and hops into his truck. Now, we don't know where he's heading at this point, but we know it isn't good. Um, so <laughs> he has quite strong acting chops here. He he sort of uh, fits into this role really well quickly. Or I, So far, I'm convinced by the creepy old farmer. But also, he's so good at turning on like the kindly, older, like, you know convivial almost like harmless vibes he's kind of like hiding in plain sight with the deranged shit going on behind the scenes yeah no absolutely i think he pulls that off really well here now from there we see a motorcycle enthusiast riding down the road with his girlfriend things seem to be going fine until he suddenly blows a tire spins out and crashes into a tree in the exact same spot that farmer vincent just happens to be waiting coincidence <laughs> clearly not no, it's not a coincidence no. At all. <laughs> farmer vincent has set the trap here so that uh a vehicle would blow a tire and swerve off the road the motorcycle crash by the way is pretty poor oh god yes from a technical standpoint <laughs> yes. no definitely yeah yeah uh looks pretty rough um they're both bloodied uh and laying there now farmer vincent sees the woman first, sort of this younger woman, and immediately seems like he's intrigued by her. Something's piqued his interest or his groin bulge. I'm not sure. (laughs) Something's peaking, all right. I thought that her boyfriend was dead. He seems very dead. We find out later on that's not the case. He loads them both into the truck, and to your point, he puts her in the passenger seat in the comfortable chair. He just throws her fucking boyfriend in the back in the goddamn flatbed. I assumed at this point that he's going to just finish both of them off, but when Farmer Vincent arrives back at the motel, he rushes this girl inside and tells his sister Ida to unlock Grandma's room so he can lay her down to rest and presumably heal. And like I said, this is definitely not what I expected to happen here. Not even remotely. I didn't know what the farmer was doing. I just thought he was going to head out on a hunt or something. We, We know it's a horror movie, but I wasn't sure where it was going. As he is heading back and as he's heading there, they spend a really long time zoomed in on a sign. And that sign says, Farmer Vincent smoked meat. So they're telling us that he likes to make meat. And it's at this point where I'm already like, oh, shit, this is going to be a part yeah, of his, uh, definitely. his menu. So um, 
But I, I like you. I thought both of them were probably going to be cooked, but he was showing particular interest to the young girl. Now, you said Ida was his sister. How long did it take you to figure that out? Truthfully, I only knew because I like read a synopsis online because I, I thought wife maybe that's clearly not true although the way that she reacts to some stuff with this girl you might think Ida would like to be I thought for the longest time they were a couple and it isn't until we're in the final like 20 minutes of the movie that he calls her his sister yeah it, it doesn't pop in there so it was that part of the movie was quite confusing for me it took me a while like I knew that they didn't have a physical relationship based on what was going on with this young girl he just kidnapped or saved um, yeah. But uh, I was confused by by what that was going on. So they've saved her. They've put her into grandma's old room. And we assume the other biker, her boyfriend, is dead. Yeah. And again, unexpected turn there for the girl anyway. Something I did expect to happen is motel patrons absolutely loving Farmer Vincent's legendary smoked meats. And as we see the next morning, a family who's checking out is just raving about them, asking if they can buy more and loading up with a couple of his souvenir sample boxes, which he's selling for a shockingly low amount. I know I was giving you shit earlier for possibly eating people, but I've got to say, at these prices, I'd be tempted to eat some too. This stuff gets rave reviews. <laughs> for real. <laughs> $2.99 for a massive sampler box. Right? I mean, this is in the 80s, so we're 40 years of inflation Still, probably. But that's actually giving it away. <laughs> that's a really good deal. Um, based on the way everyone raves about the meat, yeah, I think most people would be trying it. Uh, no preservatives, so just the freshest and most delicious mix of meats here. Um, the family's talking to uh, Farmer Vincent and buying these boxes of meat. Well, the little girls head off and check out what is the, like, butchering shed yeah it's a slaughterhouse it looks kind of like an old barn and this is going to turn their enjoyable motel stay pretty quickly in the other direction they walk into the slaughterhouse we get a little jump scare as some dead but not yet butchered pigs slide out of like a meat locker or something and absolutely scare the hello out of them these kids are <laughs> extremely rattled by this, oh. but what really would have disturbed them is if they had spotted the mysterious figure, who I guess was Ida, rising up from behind a table wearing one of the slaughtered pig's heads like a mask. I'll be honest, I'm starting to think something strange might be happening at this motel. I don't know. Yeah, they're starting to give you the idea that not everything's on the up and up here. We know we're watching a horror movie. Um, so we're we're looking for these things quickly. But it'd be interesting to come into this movie having zero expectations. Yeah. Not knowing what's coming. Uh, I thought they had seen Ida wearing the pig head because they come out just bawling, like mortified. Did you uh, notice how Farmer Vincent calms the children down <laughs> when they're very scared and emotional? Yeah, he jump scares at them. He does like a growl thing at them and then smiles afterwards. And they seem to be better. It was really weird. Yeah, he, he you know, it's like when someone's freaking out, they're panicking. And you need to like scare them to get them to snap back to reality, I guess. Or like if someone has the hiccups or whatever, that's the strategy. But he tried. Yeah, he puts this weird like face on and it shuts them up. So it all works. Now, after scaring those kids into submission, Farmer Vincent pays a visit to a mysterious part of his property with a camouflaged wooden fence around it. And back at the motel, he and Ida get a visit from the police. A police, to be exact. It's Sheriff Bruce. And not only do we find out that he is not going to do a heavy investigation into that biker disappearance and death, we also learn that he's Farmer Vincent's brother and maybe involved in whatever's happening here. This part was not totally clear to me for a long time in this movie. Yeah, it seemed to me that um, Bruce wasn't 
aware that people were being nice. I still but you don't can't know. Swear yeah. either. It's kind of no, like the Ida thing. Like, yeah. They go a long time before we get some clarification on the relationship. And even then, I'm not totally sure. But their relationship definitely isn't um, perfect. Like, he's not a part of the people making the meat at the farm. And he even says later in the movie that he ran away when he was little. Is that true? So, we, yeah. But how do we know? Oh, oh, do we know if he did or not? Know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's true. I'm not sure. Um, but he and his brother are definitely going to have some conflict later. So it's always funny. He comes in with the siren on. He had them blaring and slides in there. And you're like, is there an emergency here? Is the farmer in trouble? Like, are they already under investigation? The girl, Terry, the the woman who was sort of rescued from the crash, asked to see the body too. And she's pretty upset. Yeah, she's awake now, and uh, I will say that although she seemingly managed to avoid serious injury, her acting skills are in critical condition. Like, if she was on life support and the only way for her to recover was by turning in a good acting performance, I'd be like, pull the plug, Doc. <laughs> she's really, really bad, yeah. especially in this scene. Oh, my goodness. It feels like this is her first acting job ever. Um, it's funny because the Farmer Vincent, right, Calhoun, and Ida, too, both are quite good. Yeah, they're not bad at all. Yeah. They're very, very good comparatively. Bruce, on the other hand, He's is, a little rough is, also. is not yeah. great. But this Terry character, the girl there, is gotta be close to our Mount Rushmore. Like she is that bad. Yeah. Um, her performance is awful. It makes Bruce almost stomachable, and his performance is really, really bad. And I don't know, maybe because Calhoun and Ida, like the Ida character, are so good, they they stand out more, but she is awful. The way that she tries to show grief or ask about her like biker boyfriend comes off as laughable. Yeah, it's like she's been living in the woods for the last 20 years. Like, just not how to talk to people. It's really strange. And here, her and Bruce have a scene later that is not great either. Oh, God, no. Particularly bad. Every single one that she's in with him is just horrible. Yeah. Well, uh, she's got questions, as anyone would. And after pressing Farmer Vincent about the whereabouts of her boyfriend in front of Sheriff Bruce... This is where we find out that Farmer Vincent has already buried the body, allegedly. And apparently in this county, that is totally above board. Municipal government fever. Catch it. <laughs> like, I buried the body. No problem. Uh, yeah, that's, that's allowed. And Vincent says it was because uh, it was so badly mangled. He didn't want her to see it. Uh, but they do head off. They ask where it's buried, and they go to the graveyard. And Bruce and Vince talk about what they're going to do with the girl now. And that's why I thought he was in on it, because it seems like they're kind of scheming together. But we'll, we'll find out later. Amazingly enough, there is something in this movie that's actually worse than Terry's acting. It's Rory Calhoun's attempts at hog calling. <laughs> now, to be fair, I know very little about how to call a hog, uh, but everything I've ever seen in movies or on TV leads me to believe that Rory Calhoun is fucking awful at this. Like, this was the best take they could get out of him. He wasn't even really calling them. He was feeding them. And that's they were, what you call, how you call the hogs to feed. But they were already there, and despite them being there and eating, he was still saying, suey, 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 That's not how you do it. From everything I've seen, it's not how you do it. Uh, maybe. Maybe this had an accurate hog call and all those other performances that we've seen on uh, shows and stuff are just playing it way too overboard. Yeah, yeah, that was the part of this movie they decided we better really get right. Yeah, Let's I nail the so. hog call and everything else will <laughs> fall into place. No, I question Farmer Vincent's credentials. Also questioning Farmer Vincent's credentials are the health inspector who shows up for a surprise visit in the next scene. Bob is this fellow's name. He gets a jump scare of his own shortly after noticing something that sure looks like a camouflaged fence, and he decides to return at night to investigate it. Spoiler alert, this does not go well for him. Yeah, Bob decides to come back later that evening, and of course, who notices he's returned but Farmer Vincent. 
Bob can't find a way to get into this fence that he's sort of noticed, but he climbs over and he falls down. There's a bit of <laughs> falling and falling into puddle comedy in this movie. It happens quite a few times. He finds the farm and he starts to investigate. There's lots of plants put there behind the fence and they seem to be growing pretty well. They sort of have a special garden. But there's also some burlap bags sticking up from the ground that seem a little bit suspicious. Yeah, they're upside down. They're clearly covering something and they're spaced out the way a farmer would arrange crops. He is seemingly about to just walk away from this. So maybe that is a way you do something farm related. But all of a sudden he notices a strange gurgling noise coming from one of them. Now, Bob decides to lift the bag off, and we get a reasonably scary reveal that it is a human head, and I'm pretty sure it's the biker guy from that accident. Not only that, he appears to still be alive and is frantically trying to communicate something. Yeah, this is a pretty good scare here. Um, they also can't speak, and there's a big gash or bandage on their throat. It seems like the farmer and Ida take out their voice box when they plant them in the ground. Yeah, cut the vocal cords so no one can hear them screaming. Unfortunately, it also means he can't communicate to Bob to, you know, watch out behind him. And he eats a shovel to the back of the head, compliments of Farmer Vincent, who leans over the camera in his friendly Rory Calhoun way, says, Another spot check, Bob? <laughs> I laughed really hard, actually. Yeah, I, I like that, that yeah. line a lot. Um, I felt his timing and line delivery was pretty good. There's another one later, yeah. too, that's good. So uh, I enjoyed that uh, Bob showed up for a spot check and Farmer caught him here. We we know this is not good for Bob, as we're going to see when we return to the garden that he is probably going to be planted alongside our biker friend. And there's some other burlap bags back there, too. Lots, yeah. And you know what? Farmer isn't just laid under victim, but his night's not over. He sets another road trap, and this one works out better than he could have possibly imagined. He doesn't just catch one person. He catches a whole band. <laughs> what is this some kind of like, it, it seemed like they were a Russian inspired punk band. Something like that. Yeah. But, Using like communist imagery to rile up the people of Midwestern America in the 80s. Yeah. It makes it, sense. Cold War, right? It seems like it, right? And they have uh, what seems more like a new wave sensibility than punk clothing, but they definitely have a punk sound. They're... Smoking weed and doing drugs in the cars they're driving along. So, of course, they don't notice the trap that's been set for them. A whole bunch of bear traps on the road that maul their tires. Yeah, once they hit those bear traps, they go swerving off into the same ditch that the bike went swerving off into earlier. The farmers definitely has a good trap spot. He's worked this out. Uh, they crash and roll over, and they're still awake in there. What does the farmer do? He, like sprays gas into their thing like not gasoline the liquid but like some sort of like knockout gas which we see him use a few times in the movie which can you just buy that in stores like where does he get that from <laughs> it was chloroform was that what it was yeah it even says it on the tank that he's holding there i think they were trying to sort of telegraph it to us but i guess you can i don't know if you can get like sleeping gas or chloroform on your own but he uses uh, like in farming to like put animals to sleep maybe i guess that so that's, yeah. that's probably why he has access so he sort of fills the um the van they were driving with that and then Pulls them all out, throws them in the back of the truck. This farmer is a strong man. He can drag all these bodies and shove them in there. I Farm guess. strength, man. Country yeah. strong, for real. Absolutely. Um, so he gets all four back uh, to the farm. And this is where we find out exactly what happened to Inspector Bob. It's what we thought. He's joined the uh, head garden and has vocal cords severed. And we get to see some more of Farmer Vincent's methods in this scene as he severs more vocal cords and digs a series of holes so that Ida can plant the punk rockers. This is a strange assortment of heads he's assembled here, which Ida points out when she says, Funny looking critters, ain't they, Vincent? 
maybe so. But you know as well as I do, it takes all kinds of critters to, to make, make Farmer Vincent fritters. <laughs> and as we see in the next scene, this guy really knows how to cook human. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he is tremendous at it, and it seems like he's been doing this for a long time. Apparently, the smoking is sort of a family secret. Yeah. Something that's been passed down from his mother and grandmother. So I'm guessing that this family has been cooking human for quite some time. They have learned it, which is interesting, right? It makes you think that Bruce might be involved. But the I think maybe they throw in the line that he ran away is to give a chance that he doesn't know that it's going on. I don't know. It's hard to say. I found it shocking here that the Terry character, the girl who like lost the biker, they've kind of got her convinced to stay. Um, I feel like the build's been good. We're kind of learning what's happening at the farm. We know how they're capturing humans. We're about to see how they start using them in their cooking a bit, too. We're getting more of that coming. So, so far, I've been enjoying the buildup of the movie, getting to it. I'm wondering what the action or resolve is going to be, though. It's I'm not sure. I know it's going to involve Terry, but I don't know how. Yeah, so I think it's a good build also, although the Terry part, like you just mentioned... It's been like a day. She found out like yesterday that her boyfriend is dead under pretty mysterious circumstances. And now, like you said, she's kind of all in and she is just gobbling up this meat. While this happens, the rest of us get to gobble up some backstory. This is where we find out about the whole family secret recipe. Turns out Farmer Vince's grandmother taught him all of her techniques after he impressed her by feeding her own dog to her. Tale as old as time, eh? <laughs> I mean, if you're trying to convince your grandmother that you're serious, you got to feed her her own dog. Smoked dog. If you can pull that off, then you're, you're ready for the big show. Yeah. Well, And this is where it gets even more confusing with Bruce because he was all in. Like, all of yeah. them were just cool with it. And it then was great. It was delicious yeah like, Terry was upset by it but she quickly gets over it right as she's eating a bunch of human flesh not that she knows that but she's saying it's the best ham of her entire life yeah but this whole scene is weird as fuck like Ida almost lets slip what Vincent's real secret ingredient is so he punches her in the stomach and Terry just shrugs it off ignores all these warning signs even agrees to go to the drive-in with Sheriff Bruce yeah. after a romantic <laughs> rowboat ride the rowboat is weird like she barely knows these people she's just witnessed an old man punching his sister in the stomach, and now she's going to let the younger brother take her on a rowboat ride around a weird pond. Yeah. Like, things are strange. Um, it did feel like one of those swan rides that you take someone on a romantic trip, but their conversation isn't going well. We can tell. <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> we can tell Bruce has a thing for her, but she's giving him nothing. In her defense, her boyfriend literally just died 24 hours ago. Bruce is not really being respectful of, like, the grieving process here. Oh, certainly not. Um, I'm not saying that she should have given Bruce anything, but I'm saying that she's not picking up his signals, and he seems to be getting pretty irritated about that, which is just so weird. Um, and we're going to see him get increasingly irritated because things aren't going his way with her later. But she does agree to go to the drive-in with him, and we get a little bit of that in a minute. But first, in the next scene, we get to see the farmer part of Farmer Vincent in action. He and Ida feed his crop through what is essentially a series of like funnels connected to a snorkel. And then it's time for Terry and Sheriff Bruce's date. After clearing out the local makeout point, which is strangely not full of teenagers, but rather a bunch of middle-aged swingers, more on that later, Sheriff Bruce breaks out his secret weapon, binoculars. See, they're going to go to the drive-in. They're just not going to pay for the drive-in. 
Yeah, I don't know why they kind of put this scene in. I think to add a little bit of nudity and show that like everyone wasn't chased in this sort of community. We had several cars where there were people f***ing in the car. Multiple people. One car had like four people in it. There's like a little soup kitchen in there. Yeah, and uh, he scares them away using his uh, microphone. He sort of goes and tells them that he's going to arrest them off. They don't get out of there. We get a few naked people running out of their car and back to the front seats, and they all drive off. Um, he does try to put some moves on her here, though. Oh, he does, but she rebuffs him. And speaking of car-related crimes, we see it under one of Farmer Vincent's road traps here. This one snags a couple of hookers on their way home from ski season. I was so confused about their backstory, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> he, he manages to snag one of them, at least. The other one, seeing Farmer Vincent jump out from behind a fake cow to gas her friend slash coworker, peels out of there, and luckily this gets Terry away from Bruce, or I guess it gets Bruce away from Terry. Yeah, this is the thing that saves Terry from being molested or raped by the police officer because it's almost getting to that point. It seems pretty brutal. He hears over the radio someone calling for help. And that someone is one of those ski bunnies or ski hookers. Um, you described them as hooker. Is that because they were talking about making money yes. at the ski weekend? Yeah. yeah. And the one said that she f***ed the instructor for lessons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and didn't the other say that he had syphilis or something or she was regretting that it? She, because was, he, she thinks yeah. he might have had and they get yeah. it cut off. They get it cut off. So, yeah. so their conversation is funny. What was weird to me was that they were in ski outfits. Like, I didn't know why they chose to make it ski stuff. Nothing around here screams skiing. I think they just wanted to put some women in ski bunny outfits. Um, now, the one is fleeing in her car, and Vincent is chasing in his truck, and she's the one talking over the radio. And we think for a minute here we're going to get a scene of maybe Bruce, Vince's younger brother, catching Vince in the act of murder. But again, like for me, I kind of thought he was in on it. So I thought we we're going to get a scene of Bruce chasing this girl down, her seemingly being rescued and being relieved, and he clubs her or something. But no, we don't really see what happens to her. We see where she ends up, though. She ends up, of course, in the Garden of Heads. And it seems like we're going to have some more action in there soon because we get a couple of visitors to the motel. And uh, <laughs> this begins just a truly incredible sequence in this movie. Vincent has to scramble over from the garden to greet them, and he makes it, but has to pretend like he's been in bed sleeping. And the one guy, we get a little insight in his personality with his response here. He says, I can dig it. Early to bed, early to rise. <laughs> if you get my meaning. Do you catch his meaning? <laughs> like a, he was talking about boners. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he yeah. was trying to suggest that, yeah, the earlier you get into bed, the sooner you get your boner on and you get to start plowing. And we know as a farmer, Vincent is uh, good at plowing. Yeah. They were supposed to put on the no vacancy sign. It seems like they do that every night so people don't show up and they can do their sort of farming and human meat cooking kind of activities. But they forget to. So this swinger couple shows up. Um, and they are looking for a good time. So they're looking to find some more people to have sex with. And it turns out, once we see them head in to, to check in, that Ida has put some advertisements out saying that this is a safe place for swingers. Oh, is that what it was? I thought mm. they were in the wrong place. I thought they were trying to find that collection of cars that uh, Sheriff Bruce broke up earlier. They're just a few <laughs> miles away. But Well, maybe some of those were the people who would come to. But I guess advertising for swingers is a good way to draw people in late at night. And if you're getting those people, maybe... They might not be missed, so maybe they might fit into jerky um, better I mean, than yeah. being jerked off. I'm not it's sure. <laughs> yeah, either way, this part is hilarious to me. 
This fucking guy that's checking in is so excited to have group sex that he's A, willing to have a foursome with Farmer Vincent and Ida, and B, almost jizzes his pants when Ida makes a joke about Farmer Vincent's pre-sex stretching routine. And the thrills <laughs> don't stop there. <laughs> As we quickly see in their hotel room, whips, leather jumpsuits, bed jumping, and that's before this guy strolls out of the bathroom wearing a plastic tutu demanding his jelly. How on earth did we get here in this movie? This couple is hilarious. I don't know. They had to be written in purely for comedy's sake, right? Like, this was a chance for two actors to just, like, be absolutely silly. Is this what they thought that swingers did or what it was like? Was this just a chance to poke fun at that community? Um, The woman with her whip smashing everything in the hotel room and then him coming out wearing women's bra and underwear. Under the plastic tutu. Yeah, yeah. And then she covers him in his lube. He lays down on the floor and she just starts squirting lube all over him. And they're having a good time. It's at this point that Farmer Vincent and Ida sort of come in and they've got some ropes of their own. Oh, yeah. The couple thinks they're going to do some bondage stuff. They're all into it. Then he pulls the gas out. The guy thinks it's nitrous oxide. He's all excited for that. But, of course, they end up getting uh, hogtied and end up in the fucking garden. Yeah, they get planted. Um, at one point, they did show us how they plant them. They, big the, they dig a big hole and drop them in and then sort of fill in the earth around them and then slit their throat and sew it up um, and then feed them through tubes. It's, it's sort of interesting. I, I question why they were planting them. Yeah, I don't really understand that part either. Does the earth do something to, like, their skin? Or do they just, like, by not moving, do they get fattened up like cows? Is it a way just to keep them in one place and not have them use energy? I don't know. Yeah, I didn't understand why they didn't kill them and then just, like... Well, because they aren't down there for long. Those punk guys are down there for, like, three days, some of them. Well, I also wondered why they killed the punk guys first when the others were in there longer. Like, yeah, you think if they were fattening them up, I think they did that just purely for ease of, like, the shot yeah, rather than probably. for it making sense. But there was, I had some questions about the sort of sustainable use of human food. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't pulling it off quite the way that I think it should be done if they're if they're actually working towards this. No, this is, they've got a good idea here in theory, but not in practice is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, listen. Don't farmer, put words in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> farmer Vincent is really getting into this whole murder cannibalism spree. We'll say that at least. The next morning, he's practically glowing. And so is Terry when he tells her that maybe someday he'll teach her the ancient art of meat smoking. She even plants a kiss on his cheek. And I was like, what's happening here? Is she like into him or just looking for a surrogate father? We find out soon and it might actually be the creepiest thing in this movie. Uh, Yeah. Um, I don't understand why Terry. Terry's quite young, right? Like she's got to be early 20s at best. And she seems to be falling for Farmer Vincent. And I don't know if it's his, like, taking care of her, um, protecting her. We do see that the boyfriend, the the man who was riding on the motorcycle with her, is also an older gentleman. So Ah, oh, it's true. You think she's got, like, a dad thing? I definitely think yeah. she does. I think she's only down with men with gray hair, both on top and the bottom. <laughs> well, it was the right era for that. Uh, Ida isn't cool with this either. That or she doesn't like the idea of Farmer Vincent teaching anyone else the ancient art of meat smoking. So she invites Terry to go tubing in a nearby lake and then tries to drown her. But Farmer Vincent dives in to rescue her and this just makes her disturbing feelings towards him grow even stronger. 
I think they just had tubing so that they can show Terry in a wet white t-shirt. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. She She's wearing just a white t-shirt. I don't think anyone wears a bra in this. Um, but they soak her shirt up quickly and we get some nice white t-shirt shots. And then we get that attempt to drown. Um, Vincent saves, like you said, and now they are in love. She is in love with him. Well, yeah, he uh, puts her to bed so she can like dry off and rest. She's naked, of course, and basically tells him to bang her. But Farmer Vincent is an old-fashioned guy, and if he's going to nail a woman who's 50 years his junior, he's going to at least have the decency to marry her first. But, <laughs> but what he isn't going to have the decency to do is tell his little brother who he knows was into her. Now, of course, he also knows that Sheriff Bruce is a complete doofus, as evidenced in the exchange he has with the local minister. Sheriff, is that a lewd magazine you have in your car there? Oh, uh, that? I confiscated it from one of the kids. Sheriff, please give it to me so I can properly destroy it. Oh, uh, sure. This was a fun exchange with the fucking minister taking his porn away. Yeah, this was pretty funny. Um, the the minister, we'd actually seen clips of him on television throughout the movie. Um, it, it's clear that Vincent is religious, right? He has very strong religious beliefs, which is interesting with him murdering and eating people. Um, and so we kind of knew it was the minister immediately. They're also doing it in front of the church. He says he's going to prepare a marriage the next day. So although Vince is unwilling to f*** her while they're not married, he's not wasting any time before he can put that old inside of her. Oh, God damn. <laughs> so he wants to get down. Um, so they're going to get married. And right after that, we get the minister running into Bruce and... He confiscates that Hustler magazine, and we know he's not going to burn it. He's going to be staring at those naked he ladies. He looks at it before pages. he even leaves. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he tells Bruce that the wedding's happening, and does Bruce take this well? No, my God, no, of course not. Hearing this news, Sheriff Bruce naturally assumes that Terry is being forced into this union against her will and races over to the motel to rescue her, but it turns out she's actually super into the marrying a crazy old man thing and attempts to express this to Bruce with another wildly unsuccessful attempt at acting. And to be clear, like we said earlier, Bruce is not exactly Daniel Day-Lewis either, so what should be a fairly dramatic conversation here just fucking dies. This scene is so bad. It's horrible. He busts down the door of the bathroom while she's in the bath. So she's naked in there. He takes a good look, too, while he's trying to tell her that he's there to save her. The acting is just so unbelievable. I agree. It comes off so flat. The only thing I will say here is that she is able to express that she's not interested in him effectively. And I feel like that was just a natural thing for her. She's used to turning guys down. And that was what like felt like a normal thing for her. <laughs> like in her day-to-day -day yeah, real exactly, life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, And that's, uh, that's kind of what I felt like because any of the other emotions that she showed just never came across as believable. Well, I guess the wedding is on, and to make it official, Vincent gives Terry a giant ring. Only the best for my little girl, he says, which is super fucking creepy. Then they have a little pre-wedding celebration with party hats and noisemakers. Or maybe it's her birthday? I don't know. There's really weird vibes in this scene. Yeah, no, it's definitely a celebration of them getting married, and Ida's here too, and she's making it really awkward. Um, she's pouring some champagne for them, but she also kind of drugs um, Terry's drink, the, the young woman's drink. She's still creepy. She might be the best performance in this in terms of... Oh, I think of, it's Calhoun. Well, Calhoun He's does... so yeah. good in the... Yeah. I think what Calhoun pulls off best is the transition between being creepy and kind. Yes. He has that. Um, the best sort of creepy character, though, in this is the Ida character. She's she, the most menacing, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think for sure. 
So I'm wondering now what's going to happen to Terry because it seems like Vince was okay with the drugging or even a part of it. Oh, he's, yeah, he says, yeah, let's go to work. It's time for them to go to work. And apparently that work involves hypnotizing the Garden of Heads with some kind of rainbow kaleidoscope strobe light. <laughs> Farmer Vincent also uses his mellow voice to lull them, saying things like, Each word I say will take you farther and farther into a radical hypno-high. Heavier, but smoother than any trip you've ever had. And this is the point where I realized this movie was a comedy and I'm embarrassed it took me this long. <laughs> I was wondering whether they were believing this. Like they were trying to get in some kind of like sci-fi aspect to it. Like I was wondering what they felt in the 80s about this. It's It seemed very 70s in terms I, I, of like, I had, like a, hippie vibes. It wasn't yeah. so much sci-fi. It was more just like, yeah. a, like a groovy kind of, Astro you know. projection yeah. was talked about. And I was I was kind of like, what the fuck? But yeah, so they, they pull out some nooses after they're trying to hypnotize them. They put them around the three band members' heads, three of the four. Now we're going to see Ida hop on the tractor and they do a whole countdown. Like they're sending them off into space. Yeah. Um, she fires up that tractor. It lifts off and it snaps all three of their necks. Yeah, and after quickly pausing to reflect on all the good they've done here tonight, Farmer Vincent gives the credit to that great pilot in the sky, uproots their dead bodies, and drives them over to the slaughterhouse. But there's two things he doesn't realize. One is that pulling those guys out of the ground loosened the dirt in the garden, which allows Terry's biker boyfriend to break free. And two, that his brother, Sheriff Bruce, is out looking for evidence that Vincent caused Terry's accident at the start of the movie. Now, I'm curious, what is your read on this? Is Bruce just discovering all this murder cannibalism stuff now, or has he been in on it the whole time and he's just blowing it up so she won't marry Vincent? Because I could go either direction. I think that he's just discovering these murders, right? I don't think he knew about all of these deaths happening based on the way that he talks about finding all of the vehicles in the lake and seeming surprised. Well, yeah, he does find some evidence this has happened, so he's clearly not a totally incompetent police officer, but I kind of feel like he's the kind of guy... We know he's jealous. We know he's upset. He basically tried to rape her at that drive-in. You couldn't see him blowing up his own brother, getting him out of the way so that she won't marry him as a, as a way for, like, in his mind, he ends up with her. Like, I think you can definitely make the case. I call yeah. this whole next section vengeance. Like, this is just what he's doing. He's <laughs> yeah. going after his brother because his brother is going to be banging Terry and yeah. not him. Like, he's very, very upset at that. But it still seems to me like he was unaware of the murders. And I... I think that they're trying to tell us that based on them saying he had run away and all those okay. other things. Maybe it's him just creating the story, but I don't give him that much credit. I don't think that's true. I think he just missed it. I don't know, man. Either way, he goes back to the motel again to warn her again, but this time he's got evidence, some of Vincent's shotgun shells and fragments pulled from her biker boyfriend's tires. And speaking of her biker boyfriend, he has now completely escaped from the garden and subsequently frees the rest of the head. So it looks like Farmer Vincent and Ida have some serious problems here. And although Ida knocks out Bruce and drags Terry back to Vincent, she herself gets knocked out by this kind of like makeshift zombie horde of voiceless garden people. <laughs> I like the description you just said there. It felt very much like early zombie movies. They're staggering around together. They can't talk, so it's all just groaning noises. They look like shit because they've been buried, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I. It was funny because I, I feel like zombie movies were an inspiration for part of what they wanted to do in here. So I feel like they wrote that part of it in just so they could have zombie-like shots in the movie. And they are fun. They do some of those close-ups and some of those point-of-view shots of the zombies. And uh, Ida puts up a bit of a good fight against them. She's pretty tough, but they take her down eventually. 
They do. Now, back in the slaughterhouse, Farmer Vincent gives us and Terry his Bond villain speech where he explains that what he's doing serves two purposes. There are too many people on the planet and not enough food, so problem solved. She isn't convinced, though, and starts looking for a way to escape, so Vincent gasses her and puts her on a conveyor belt. Now, her old boyfriend, fresh from the garden, busts in through the ceiling and tries to rescue her, but he's weak from all that time underground and quickly gets subdued by Vincent. Maybe Bruce will have better luck? (laughs) Yeah, this is funny. I was sort of wondering, one, who was going to win that fight? These are the two old guys who were trying to plow Terry, right? This was old versus old dad fight. Yeah, pretty much. It was dad fight. Now, you're right. The biker had been buried too long and been living on some garbage fed through a (laughs) tube into his throat. So he didn't have the strength to take on Vincent. He gets sort of beat in the end and thrown into what seemed like the fire or the smoker. Uh, so he's ended, and, and Bruce's turn is coming up pretty soon here, right? He's going to be the other one who's fighting over her. Who do we think is going to win here? Well, Bruce has a couple things going for him. He does appear to be 40 years younger than his brother, so there's that. He is a police officer, should have had some combat training, and he uh, walks in with a shotgun, so he's got that going for him also. In standard police fashion, he enters the slaughterhouse yelling, Terry, Terry, thus completely giving away his position and announcing his presence to Farmer Vincent, who therefore has time to grab a chainsaw and throw on the pig mask we saw earlier, which gives us maybe the movie's most iconic image and a pretty great scene, chainsaw fight. Yeah, this is pretty fun. Um, not only does he announce his presence, Bruce also puts his shotgun down to turn his back and look at Terry, <laughs> who's strapped down. He's not the best. So, yeah, not very smart. He should have been using that shotgun to find his brother and clear them out of there. But we do have this really cool look of Vincent wearing the pig's head, and he's got the chainsaw turned on and going. Bruce grabs his gun again, and they have a little bit of a battle here. He tries to shoot Vincent, but he misses, and Vincent cuts that shotgun with his chainsaw, and that one drops down. And then what does his brother fend, like you said? Another chainsaw. Oh, so this is a really fun fight, seeing the two of them fight through a slaughterhouse with two live chainsaws. Vince has this, like, ridiculous laugh and howl. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Just maniacal as hell. We can tell he's, like, all the way gone now. Yeah, it's it's really, really fun. So we've got this going down. And while all of this is happening, the power gets turned on to a saw behind Terry. So the tension's ratcheting up. Oh, yeah, the tension is definitely rising. And, you know, it's pretty evenly matched so far until after making an unfortunate misstep, Bruce is able to drive the chainsaw into Farmer Vincent's side and get Terry off the conveyor belt before it's too late. We get a great shot here of Vincent still wearing the pig head, staggering out, chainsaw still sucking his torso and still on, like it's still running. But he's definitely finished. And after Bruce turns the chainsaw off, we get a final tearful admission from Vincent. I'm there. Biggest hypocrite of them all. What do you mean? I mean, I, I used preservatives. <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. Oh, it, oh god, it popped me. I was yeah. just losing it. 
when <laughs> Bruce <laughs> goes to save Terry, there's also this funny moment where he swings into the room like Batman using one of the chain things they do to hang meat. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. The conversation that they have is pretty funny because Vincent basically gives Bruce the farm and asks them to continue on with their like good work instead of just like knowing that it's over. Yeah. He can't let it go. Yeah. And I thought that was funny too. But that moment where he calls himself a fraud and talks about the preservatives was just, I was not expecting that at yeah, all. It's great right? shit. Yeah, As he's yeah. in the middle of saying, like, wow, where's he going with this? Great fucking shit. So he's dead. Terry's safe. And the remaining heads are all free, which means there's only one loose end left. It's Ida. But after hearing a sudden scream and running in that direction, Bruce and Terry find her buried face down in the secret garden, feet kicking frantically above the dirt. Do they just leave her there? Yeah, I think she's toast. I think, uh, <laughs> That's I think it? they let her suffocate in that dirt. And I don't know what happened to all the, like, zombie plant people. We yeah. don't see what happens to They're gonna them. They're going to scare the fuck out of someone who finds them on the side of the highway. Just, like, some kindly driver will see a person. It'll be a fucking throat slit, dirt-covered zombie person. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know. No, uh, it's it's, uh, it's not totally clear, which is weird because this movie isn't exactly dealing in subtlety. As we wind things down here, they make it very clear that Sheriff Bruce was not involved in the family meat game, or at least according to him. And the last thing we see is the O on the sign explode, going dark for good. And with that, we're into the credits with a country song called You're Eating Out My Heart and Soul, Taking Us Out. Wordplay! Nice! I didn't yeah. notice that, uh, the the song. That's pretty fantastic. This ending is interesting, right? Because it's just Bruce and Terry. They're talking. Bruce is considering keeping the place running. He says, like, oh, get, come on. He does. Well, he has sorry, a the little motel, moment. not the farm. Yeah, 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 the motel. He says, like, he says that he is thinking about it, but there's going to be an investigation. Terry tells him to burn the whole fucking thing down. Yeah. Right? She's like, just burn this down. This place is evil and we need to walk away. And that's when we get the close up of the neon sign exploding. This shot is pretty impressive, but I feel like a lot of the movie was almost like the name of the movie was planned just so they could do that shot okay so this is you've mentioned a couple things now where you're like i think they had the idea for like whatever this is my theory about this movie my theory about this movie is they had ideas for individual scenes or individual elements right the head garden the sign with the o out as his motel i feel like they thought of these things and then like built a movie around it you know what i mean kind of like working backwards okay we want to have this what's the how and why lets us get there and they kind of went from that point it feels to me like that kind of mishmash of scenes and ideas i absolutely agree i feel like this could have been planned for multiple movies right like there could have been ideas that they had thrown out for different things and they really just wanted to see them all come to fruition there's no way that they had thought out this whole thing at first and then like planted some of the ideas or strange things in here i don't think it would have been called motel hell well, that's the thing. So many of the parts don't really fit together. The story, if you think about it, is kind of all over the place. So, you know. It made for a really interesting watch. Does it make a really good, coherent movie? Not really. Well, I guess we're going to decide that when yeah. we get to our ratings. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I will say, I'm pretty sure that on the fine Shout Factory Blu-ray, there has got to be bonus features talking about the production of this because that's a high quality release. I'm sure they put a lot of bonus stuff in there. You might want to check that out afterwards if you're really that curious, but you know. That's a good idea. I'm yeah. glad you have that physical media so that I can do that. Oh, I always, it. buddy, always. So this would probably be a good time to get to our ratings. The way we do this, we rate the movie on a scale of 1 to 10 two times, 1 to 10 for how bad it is, 1 to 10 for how enjoyable, and the goal is to find movies that are a 10 out of 10 on both scales or what we call the Crit, Crit 20. 20. 20. 20. 20. 20. 20. 
And I will say for me, I don't think this movie is that bad at all. Um, I think that as a, I, I don't really want to call it a horror movie because it is to me in a lot of ways more like a comedy, just the horror elements. I think it's very effective. I think there are some scary things in here. There's some really great imagery. There's some really creepy moments. It does a really good job of like scaring or at least disturbing an audience. So I think it really accomplished kind of the goal there. I feel like this kind of gained steam as it went along, which to me should always be the goal, especially with horror. Like you do want to build that tension. You do want to build that excitement. And I feel like this was just a pretty much straight shot up, up, up the whole time. There weren't really peaks and valleys. I think that's awesome. There are a couple of things I will criticize. The acting is all over the place here. Like, as we mentioned, Rory Calhoun is great. The woman who plays Ida is, like, really good, although she's pretty broad with it, but I think she does a really fine job. Terry and Bruce are just trash. <laughs> like, they're so bad that it kind of drags things down. Fun cameo also by legendary DJ Wolfman Jack as the minister Bad, yeah. who was going to, you might recognize his voice from, like, American Graffiti or if you listened to fucking radio in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of fun. But overall, like acting's kind of spotty. Like we said, the story doesn't totally coalesce with these different elements. I thought the effects were good, though. Like good effects, good costume stuff. I only have this as a six bad. Oh, wow. Only a six bad. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that, and I this is going to meld my enjoyability and bad, but I will give them separately. I, I think that tonally as a horror comedy, it worked really well. I agree with you that it had a good build and then uh, a fun climax at the end and it did get stronger as it went on. I felt the build was a little bit long. I would have liked to have gotten into more of the action. I think it was effectively creepy in the build, but there wasn't a lot of action moments until we got to that last 15 minutes of the movie. Bruce and Terry's acting was just absolutely unconscionable. Like it was just so <laughs> atrocious that it was hard to to put up with. But it was so funny because the acting of Calhoun and the person who played Ida was like quite good. The acting of the swingers was pretty bad too. Oh yeah, that was so over right? the top. They, they were just, just straight characters. They, they dropped in from a fucking cartoon. Yeah, so they were they were pretty brutal. Same with all the other like casts that were put in to be just heads planted in a garden, right? And I guess you're not going to pay people very much for that either. I didn't love the special effects, to be honest. I thought the, um, like, crash effects weren't done very well. Well, yeah, that's a big action piece, though. Uh, that's fair. I thought a lot of the... Um, the blood around animals and stuff was good, but the, like, hands and toes they had floating and stuff didn't look very real... The part that was cool, though, was their use of the pig heads for yeah. the costuming. Like, I thought the costuming was done well. I didn't have it quite as low for bad. I had it as an eight bad. Okay. And it was still I, pretty bad then. Yeah, and I think I think some of that has to do with the story not being clear. Yeah. The relationships between people not being clear. I don't think it was – a like, it's a bad movie. Uh, it doesn't belong in our, like, ten category. There was, no. there was some no, craft no. in here, yes. and I think that – the people who worked on it did a good job. Um, so it was it was a weird balance for me. But I had it as an 8. Maybe it could go down to a 7. But I'm going to stick with my 8. Okay. Yeah. yeah you, the point you bring up with the story is true. The fact that we took us a long time to figure out the nature of Farmer Vincent and uh, Ida's relationship. The fact that I'm still not totally convinced that Sheriff Bruce was not in on it and didn't just blow up his brother because he didn't want him to marry Terry. Like, it's not totally clear. And if they're trying to make us question that on purpose, it's one thing. But I kind of feel like that's not the case. So good point by you. I'm not going to budge off my six. I know I changed my rating uh, like in yeah, a couple weeks right, ago, yeah, but, but I'm not going to. No, I, I feel good about the six. How enjoyable on a scale of one to ten did you find this movie? I did enjoy it. 
Yeah. Um, I, I did quite enjoy it. I thought that the, the music worked really well. I thought the acting of both the farmer and his sister were excellent. I thought that there were some fun ideas. Like, I, I think the story wasn't coherent because they had a lot of good ideas that they tried to jam together. In some ways, I enjoy it more because of that. Yeah. Because it was less coherent That's and there was the a lot of fun. Factor. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's this weird, like, why is this with this kind of thing? Yeah. In some ways, I enjoy that more. There was a nice uh, amount of nudity in this, too. It's a slasher movie. We need to include a little bit of that. And we've been missing that in some of the others we've been watching this season. So... Pulling that back here. Got to go back to my my old... Uh, playing the hits. Yeah. <laughs> no, playing the hits. Yeah. Um, so I had this as a nine enjoyable. Yeah, no, me too. I also had it as nine enjoyable. It was a really fun movie. Yeah, I liked it. I liked yeah. it. Um, that scene where they're in the slaughterhouse fucking fighting with chainsaws. Great shit. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, really, Just really the good. laughter. That pig's head. Whoever came up with the idea, I'm just about pigs in this guy. Fucking great job by you. That's a fantastic fucking... He looks so cool coming out with that head on and the chainsaw. Yeah. It's haunting. Seeing that yes. on the Blu-ray cover, um, I was like, this is going to be fucked. Actually, yeah. part of why I had it, I just, I expected it to be more gruesome. And maybe that is just the nature of how horror has changed over the sort of time period, right? They've been willing to go to a lot more gruesome or darker places over the last 30 years than they probably would have when this was created. Yeah. You mentioned Hostel earlier. And that's yeah. obviously. Like all of that stuff is a lot darker than what we see at this time period but i i really like the imagery in that fight oh definitely and that's the thing like as you mentioned some of these ideas are just fucking great the whole part with the swingers i was fucking laughing my ass off that was hilarious (laughs) like those ski hookers popping up out of nowhere like what does it do with anything no really good time uh you know we keep saying this the 80s horror genre like it's a really fun genre and i think most people there's so many fucking horror fans out there it's a huge community and I think part of the reason why is it's just fucking fun. Like, it's just fun, fun movies. It gives me these video store vibes, you know? <laughs> That's true. It yeah. does feel like you're heading in, renting something, and enjoying that, like, Friday night with your friends watching some silly shit, right? This is really fantastic. I asked for more horror this season. Yeah. And I'm I'm really happy with all the stuff that we've we've seen so far. It's been really, really fun. Yeah, really fun for sure. What about this beer? Also fun or not so much? Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I had sort of mixed feelings about some of the ones I've had from them. I really enjoyed some and and not as much of the others, but I really liked this Farmhouse Pale Ale. I think this was a good choice for fitting with this movie. Um, it has a very sort of peppery, citrusy, and sort of bubbly finish um, that worked really well for me. That is what I'm expecting when I have something that's sort of farmhousey, sort of that Belgian style flavors. And I thought they did a good job with this one. Yeah, the pepper thing's real. It almost kind of reminded me of like a is it wait a saison of the pepper or is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yourself, I tried a few different Muse beers. I think this one is my favorite. And there's a lot of good flavor in here. And you know, I, I'm not willing to go IPA, but a pale ale I will enjoy. And this one I thought had a really good like kind of body to it. It's pretty clean. I feel like it would actually go well with like a lot of different foods as well. It's be a good like dinner beer, like you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think this would be a good pairing beer to have with different foods. I think you could definitely drink a handful of them, but the I think these like sort of peppery flavor that it gives to it wouldn't make it your like I want to cool down after a sporting event kind of activity. It's no, something you'd, yeah. you'd pair with a food or drink on an evening kind of thing. That's exactly right. But no, good stuff there. And again, a cool location, like we said, Norfolk County, Ontario, like literally just fucking farm fresh, farm to bottle, essentially. 
Yeah, no, it's really cool. Sometimes I find when we have beers that they've grown their own hops or their own barley, which is the case in this one, they don't have the flavor profile that I'm looking for, but this definitely met all of those ideas and I really enjoyed it. I would have the extra again for sure. I'd pick some of these up if I'm uh, driving by Muse anytime soon. Me too. Good stuff, Muse. Next week, we are going to be going in kind of a weird direction here. Next week, we have an audience request for a movie that I have never seen, you've never seen. It sounds weird as fuck. Next week, we're going to be watching a movie called Tammy and the T-Rex. Oh, what? Yeah, as near as I can tell, this movie is about Paul Walker getting his consciousness uh, either put into or trapped inside an animatronic dinosaur. Paul Walker consciousness uploaded into a dinosaur robot he is he is the dinosaur i don't, I don't understand <laughs> i don't really get what's happening oh, i man. don't know if it's like a horror movie or like a mystery or oh. some kind of something denise I'm, richards plays his love interest i guess i'm hoping for an animatronic dinosaur denise richards sexy and that's just me yeah we'll, we'll see I mean. if that's on the table <laughs> <laughs> well this sounds like it has a lot of promise i'm excited for this and i always love doing audience requests Definitely, and it's under release from the fine folks at Vinegar Syndrome, so... Oh, can't go wrong with them. Usually a good sign, yeah. Uh, before then, if you have not already, please follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at the BMB Podcast, Or feel free to send us an email, thebmbpodcast at gmail.com. Definitely, that's where this request came from, and we will be getting to that next week. But until then, thank you for joining us. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. We'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it meaty. Checking in is easy. Checking out is hell.